0: Welcome to the Scotland's Choice podcast. The journey to our referendum is underway, so join us as we discuss how together we can build a fairer, a more equal and a more prosperous Scotland. Our goal is to ensure that our listeners are informed, that they're encouraged to get involved and will hopefully inspire others to think about the possibilities for Scotland. The past few years have only served to highlight what allowing Westminster to make choices for us is like, so let's make the choices we want for our families and our communities right here in Scotland. I'm your host, Drew Hendry, MP. Now let's find out who's joining me on Scotland's Choice today.
1: Hi, Drew. I'm Tommy Shepherd. I'm the Member of Parliament for Edinburgh East and delighted to uh, be on the podcast at last. Delighted also to be out of the heat and in a room with the air conditioner. It appears to be working for now. <laughs> Good, yeah. As we're, we're talking, it's obviously
0: uh, Westminster's heated up. It's nearly 40 degrees outside as we're sitting here. just now. So It's really, really hot in the building but there's also a lot going on in Westminster in terms of more heat than light, as per usual, uh, down here. Hey, Tommy, I want to, before I come to that, and we will talk about that later, I want to ask you about your past and your journey to becoming ULNP and the SNP. You used to be a Labour Party politician. You were a member until 2003, I understand. In really simple terms for our listeners, what made you give up the Labour Party?
1: Yeah, the last card I can find in my uh, archive is 2001. <laughs> actually, but, uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I can't remember. I mean, it's all intents and purposes, I had left by, by the uh, by the end of the century, to be honest. Yeah. So, I mean, I joined at university. I was at Aberdeen University, and um, you know, uh, started off being part of the broad left uh, as a, a sort of independent person because I'm from, you know, Northern Ireland. I didn't. I don't have any particular Labour background or anything. I'm a, a an Ulster Protestant kid that was brought up there and then escaped to go and. Uh, uh, try and study medicine at Aberdeen University. So when I got to Aberdeen, I was already quite political and, and you know uh, engaged in various environmental campaigns and stuff like that. And and I just dived straight into the uh, the, the form of, uh, of political activity. Uh, and within a year, I stopped doing medicine because I didn't really concentrate on my studies and ended up with a degree in sociology and politics. So so I was I was very active, and the Labour Party was sort of the um, a sort of obvious choice, because at that time, it, 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 I mean, I've always believed in a, I'm a sort of democratic socialist. I believe in a, in, in a world where there's equality and social justice and where people, you know, where the, 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 common interest is elevated above the private interest. I believe that it's in our nature as human beings, that, that we're social animals. We need to work together in, in harmony with each other and this environment. And to try and drive public policy in that direction, um, you needed two things. One, you needed a, a, a political vehicle that, that was sort of yeah. on on message with that, but also you needed a political vehicle which was capable of generating a mass, uh, you know, a, a, a mass sort of campaign amongst the people. I mean, I had, you know, I've never had much time for people who are who are right but incredibly obscure yeah. because they, you know, so. You know, it's, there's no point being correct if you, if you don't win in a particular mind. So, so the Labour Party was that mass party vehicle on the centre-left uh, at that time, and I, and I joined it, and as you say, I was a, I was a, a fairly active member. I mean, I stood for Parliament in 1982. Yeah. Um, I was a, a, a Labour councillor in London for eight years, uh, including deputy leader of the, the London Borough, Hackney. And then I went back to Scotland to become mm-hmm. Assistant General Secretary of the Scottish Labour Party and worked three years as a full-time... Mm-hmm. Official, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I wasn't just I wasn't just a fellow traveller. I was a little bricks with the Labour Party, and um, appointed under John Smith to that full time position, and and pretty much asked to leave by Tony Blair. <laughs> That's uh, quite a great resume
0: for there. I, I, I people will will know if uh, if they've been watching both the temperature and the politics just now that we were talking about this time that we're here at uh, Westminster just now, now hot it is outside. But at the time of recording, we've also figured out that we still don't know uh, who the final two candidates are in the Tory party contest to become uh, their leader and prime minister. Just following on from the uh, Labour uh, aspect, would you agree that um, Keir Starmer, with his latest stance on uh, Brexit and a number of other things, wouldn't look out of place next to some of these candidates?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a low bar, to yeah. be honest, but I think there is a case to be made that Keir Starmer is the worst Labour Party leader ever, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, you know, he, he doesn't appear to believe in anything mm. and has no message to the public in Britain apart from, we're not these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is what it has boiled down to. I, yeah, I I don't, don't think I don't um, think you can mobilise, mo- motivate yeah. people or change the world with such a lack of ambition, mm. to be honest. And then, before we get into his personal qualities and abilities, mm. I think the problem is political. And, and it's one of principles as well, because the latest slogan is make Brexit work, which you know uh,
0: from his previous utterances that he absolutely doesn't believe, on, but it's, <laughs> believe in, but it's very similar to the uh, Tory leadership and the get Brexit redone or make Brexit deliver. isn't There isn't a fag paper between them in terms of these things. And you know that's not the stance that he's had previously. Is that part of the problem with Labour now, they're just willing yeah. to throw off uh,
1: the, the previous mean, you know, I'm still so friendly with some people in, yeah. the, in, in the Labour Party, and, uh, particularly in, here in London, and it's really worrying what's happening yeah. now, because the, the, the machine inside the Labour Party, I mean they've got this phobia about uh, Corbyn and Corbynism and they're trying to excoriate the party from that, but they're now actually coming after what Used to be called the soft Mm left, right, but they see that as a gateway drug, Mm -hmm. basically to Corbynism, and they're now clamping down on that as well. Mm -hmm. With no, I mean, it's not even a right wing version of social democracy that that, that Mm -hmm. they're offering. It is simply a matter of achieving office Mm -hmm. with and and keep the policy perspectives as empty as possible, make no promises to anyone, and it's just not going to work. I mean, Keir Sommer reminds me of that guy who said, you know, these are my principles, and if you don't like them, I have others. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I mean, it's so like a like... famous Groucho Marx quote. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, dude. I I, yeah. I, Yeah, I'm not sure if you, you've seen it. You probably have one of the latest videos that's been put out on social media by Yes Scott, uh, featuring folk from uh, Dundee, speaking about why we need independence for Scotland. What, one of the contributors had a great line. He said, labour in Scotland follows labour in England. Labour in England follows the Tories. We, we've just discussed how that's the case on Brexit, but which other areas do you
1: struggle to see the difference between the Tories and Labour in Westminster? Well, quite a few. Mm. I mean, uh, uh, independence would be the, the, the obvious one, and I think this is straight. You know, around, it, it, yeah. Well, well, we'll maybe come back to the, that. But I yeah, mean, is, it is. It is. It is weird, you, actually, because we know that you know even though Labour, even though a lot of people have, have transferred their support away from the Labour Party. Yeah. Of the people that still remain of mm-hmm. that core Labour vote, still fully a third of them support independence. Mm-hmm. Right? And yet, Labour makes no recognition of that mm-hmm. at all. And it seems that Anna Sauer's strategy now is to... He, he, he sees opinion, political opinion in Scotland divided 50-50, mm-hmm. and yeah. his mission is to be is to become the majority voice on the 50% of the unionist side of the argument. He has nothing to say yeah. to those people who want to change the way that we are governed. Uh, and I think that's, that's got to be a recipe yeah. for failure because, and it's very disappointing from the party that was once the party of home rule to be honest with mm-hmm. you know. So now, I mean you cannot out-unionist the Tories, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a beaten docket. So mm-hmm. why? They are trying this, I don't know. And there's no lesson. It'll right. only be a matter of time till yeah. we have another Scottish Labour Party. They're running out of options, to be honest. But I mean, you know, yeah. but, if it, but it is quite sad. I mean, I, I firmly believe that, that, that the salvation of mm-hmm. the Labour Party in Scotland mm-hmm. is independence. Mm-hmm. I mean, that gives it a rationale. At the minute, its only rationale is to defend the establishment mm-hmm. here at Westminster. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, an establishment yeah. which... Which, I mean, it's not that it doesn't want to deliver. Mm-hmm. It cannot deliver. For Scotland, I mean, in order to rejuvenate and renew our country, yeah, yeah. we need to have the political agency of a normal nation state yeah. just to, to do fairly basic things. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen as long as we are controlled
0: from here. And and of course, it's not just the independence, but some of the things that are really important to uh, you know to the Scottish public and the way that people see things: immigration, uh, the recent strike action, union engagement, yeah. uh, corporation tax, nuclear weapons. Uh, all of these things uh you know and and you know, EuroCare Starmer even uh dropped a pledge to scrap the privatization of the NHS outsourcing as well. You know, know. Th- these are fundamental things that, that uh that people in Scotland uh, you know would have a point of disagreement on. But
1: I know. I mean that, and it's incredibly depressing. And yet there are some there's some Labour activists in Edinburgh <laughs> who will tell you that yep. it's the SNP that's the right wing organisation yep. and the SNP government's yep. all bad and they've sort of it's almost like a psychosis that they yeah. could believe that when it is so manifestly obvious. Yeah. What Labour is is doing when it gets a chance to do it, and mm-hmm. you know that, that that's a it's a pity. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish it wasn't like this. And, I wish. I mean, I wish we 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 because there is an argument to be had mm-hmm. amongst the centre left about whether or not you know independence is necessary mm-hmm. to achieve the social and economic mm-hmm. change that we yeah. we aspire to. I'm happy to engage in that argument, but it's as if Labour has. Vacated that territory. They are now firmly positioning themselves as right of centre, as pro private sector, against trade unions, against nuclear, you know, against nuclear disarmament, and a whole range of other things. Mm. Leaving ourselves and the Greens to be the parties that champion, yeah. uh, you know, ch- champion things like equality mm. and decency on the centre left. Of a, 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 another thing I find
0: bizarre is they're quite happy to see the Scottish government spending money from budgets that could. Uh, be spending elsewhere on different things, trying to mitigate Tory policies. Yeah. You know, and there's no answer to that. You know, they've never supported the devolution of powers, for example. Even if they, you know, don't believe in uh, in going to full independence. You know, as you said, they used to be the party of home rule. Now they're not even the party of devolution. It's, uh, it's quite bizarre, isn't
1: it? I don't, And then and then they condemn the Scottish government yeah. for not doing enough. Yes, yeah. for not mitigating yeah. more. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's. It is. Well, I mean, it's politics, I suppose. But I think it's. It's it's so it's such a transparent conceit yeah. that it's actually easy to see through. And I yeah. think the Scottish public is mm-hmm. seeing through it. You yeah. know? It's not credible for Annisarva to take the position that he is taking on so many things, and it's leading
0: them into so many difficulties with their own members in different ways as well. We've seen councillor candidates suspended or you know dropped because they've happened to support independence. We had the, a bizarre situation in the past few weeks where. Yeah. L- elected Labour politicians, Labour councillors, have been suspended by the Labour Party for not, for not voting for the Tories. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, know, uh, do, do you think the re- can you ever see a scenario where Labour are willing to accept
1: reality and democracy in Scotland? Well, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's very worrying because uh, you know we in, in the recent council elections in Edinburgh, for example, the SNP. Uh, won the election, they came out as the biggest party, the most number of seats, the most votes, and and yet Labour have chosen yeah. to have an arrangement with the Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats to keep the <laughs> SNP and the Greens out yeah. of uh, out of yeah. office. Having for ten years, by the way, yeah. been quite content to have an SNP Labour administration mm-hmm. for ten years, suddenly now that's unacceptable, mm-hmm. and that is what. Several of the labor, two of the labor councillors in that group in Edinburgh, they just couldn't stomach mm-hmm. that, so they, yeah. they sat in their hands, and for that, they are being punished. Yes, yeah. which is you know, I mean, all they need to do when they when they wise up is come and join us. And then we will switch the administration because it's entirely unsustainable. Exactly. So I'm not going to stay on Labour for the whole of this podcast, but there is one other thing I'd
0: like to pick, yeah, to mention before we go on to what you've been doing here. Uh, the Labour Party nearly 100 years ago had it in their manifesto uh, that they would get rid of the House of Lords. Mm-hmm. They, they said it was time for it to go. Uh, you know, you, That's clearly something you subscribe to. They seem to have dropped it. Uh, almost altogether. you know, they talk wishy-washy language about reform and things like that, but you know, there's only ever been tinkering around the, the edges. In 2017, you led a debate in Parliament on the future of the House of Lords, and you've consistently called uh, for it to be abolished. Many states around the world have an upper and uh, main uh, chamber, you know, for looking at uh, different pieces of business. Would you like to see, what would you like to see an independent Scotland do with
1: regards to the structure of Parliament? Well, well I mean, just four hours of that, just to, to echo your comments on, on, on the House of Lords, because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's, it's in its nature that it can't be a representative body because it's unelected, it's mm-hmm. appointed. But also, it doesn't even reflect mm-hmm. the demographics of the population of Britain. Oh, come on. Never mind. Scotland, the former KGB agents representation in the... But I mean, it is, you know, it's overwhelmingly white, old, right of centre, privately educated. Uh, There's... And and the most bizarre thing I find is that there's not a single member of the House of Lords, we did an audit on this, that actually supports Scottish independence. Mm. Now, the SNP won't accept political appointments to the House of Lords because we disagree with it in principle. So that may be an element. But it is weird, mm-hmm. is it not, given that they say mm-hmm. that membership of the House of Lords comes from people who demonstrate, you know, yeah. a- a exceptional service in, for charity work and mm-hmm. sports and the arts yeah. and the economy. It is bizarre that not one single person managed to scrape through the vetting who believes in Scottish independence, given that 50% of the Scottish population believe in it. And yeah. I, mean, I think yeah. that it must be the case that there is some private vetting going on that we don't know about mm. that makes sure that people who support those views never even get under consideration. But anyway, so it is, it is an anachronism, it is absolutely, uh, you know, it, it is a, 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 a blot on, our, a, a, on the democratic uh, framework mm. of, of, of the United Kingdom, never mind of, of, of Scotland, uh, and it ought, it ought to go. Whether or not it's replaced by something else which is elected, is, is, is a matter of debate. Mm-hmm. From my point of view, I want to be short of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want an independent Scotland to be out of the United Kingdom and mm-hmm. therefore it doesn't even have to bother with this with this debate. And I think we're probably likely to achieve that mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. there's any serious moves to reform the, the, the House of Lords going through. Mm-hmm. So, if we did have an independent Scotland, what would the the government? I think we need to do more work in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think in a country the size of Scotland, it's not necessary, uh, it, it's not absolutely the case. You we need to have a bicameral system of, of, of parliament. It depends on the nature of your main legislature and how representative that is and how it actually formulates policy and the degree mm. of checks and balances that are built into the political system in that, in that principal process. It also depends on the degree of decentralization to regional or local government. And, and and whether or not they have an input and a relationship with the central government, with the central legislature. So it's not absolutely the case. And I think if you have a, a proportionally uh, elected uh, main legislature, there's probably not the same case for having a revising chamber. I mean, the, the reason why there's an argument here for the House of Lords is because the House of Commons keeps getting stuff wrong because, you know, you can run a government here on 35 percent support. So that yeah. that, that, that that's... That that's the problem. The problem with the uh, UK system. Yeah. So I, so I th- I think uh, you know we need to spend more time thinking about it. Uh, I'm not against having a small upper house, a small senate. It does also, dip, you know, it, it will, I know we're coming on to this, but it does relate to who your head of state is, mm-hmm. because clearly in a in a system where you had a presidential uh, system, even if it was only a, uh, a like a, a ceremonial president, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the Irish have. Yeah. The Irish president still has some constitutional role mm-hmm. in referring to the Supreme Court decisions that are taken by the Doyle if they are out of, uh, out of line with manifesto commitments or whatever. So there's you know these, there's a lot of different moving parts in this which we do need to think about, which is why the way to do this in my view, and Mike Russell's been doing a lot of work with us and I've been involved on the edge of this myself, we're talking about a, an interim constitution, for an independent Scotland, so that at the point of independence, there's a working constitution which provides a framework to run the country and legislate, but it also sets in place a major consultation and review exercise about how the constitution itself should be reformed. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of questions about how we are government can be resolved. And That that doesn't need to be done on on day one of independence, Mm -hmm. Providing we've got interim arrangements in place, that can be done later down. Mm-hmm. Down, down the line, so you know, so basically, that's a choice for uh,
0: you know an independent Scotland to move forward with. Yes, it.
1: but In- I think I, mean, I think the SFP probably needs to. I mean, you know, we it, it's one of the areas uh, that we need to do a bit mm-hmm. a bit more work on. Uh, I mean, i not. I don't think the AMS system for electing a Scottish Parliament uh, is is ideal. I think an STV system would be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, you know, we need to 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 look at that. Do we need 129 members? probably need more mm. if we're going to have an effective committee system working within the legislature so and then that provokes an argument well what would the constituencies be so there's an awful lot of mm. thought to do this but we don't but but the, the absence of conclusions in this isn't a barrier to progressing the independence campaign mm-hmm. because of course independence is all about the people making those choices at a later date okay but we
0: we're talking about the people making those choices which brings me on to uh, the, the next Question: I wanted to ask you about your own views about uh, about this, uh, because they they run contrary to some others uh, in terms of Scottish independence. We saw a paper printed recently by the Scottish government showing uh, the UK um, as having a terrible record for inequality uh, compared to um, you know neighbouring nations of a similar or smaller size than Scotland. As a proponent. Proponent of uh, the a Scottish Republic, do you see the monarchy as a stumbling blocks, uh, stumbling block, I should say, to social and class equality? How
1: do we approach the uh, question of monarchy versus republic after independence? Well, I mean, I'm 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 a republican. Yeah. I, I have been since the age of about fifteen. Right. So, you should really... say official SNP policy is to maintain the monarchy, mo-
0: the monarchy after independence. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, let me, let, let me come to that, because yeah. I'm not sure I would put necessarily that interpretation. Okay. The, 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 I, I, I am a republican. ultimately I would like to see uh, an elected head of state and, and, and a monarchy abolished. Mm-hmm. I accept that that is not a majority view, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not a majority view amongst uh, people in Scotland, neither. The opinion polls show that by, it by, an, a, by a decreasing uh, majority, but a majority of the public, uh, are are in in favour of retaining mm. the monarchy. However, the balance is changing, and I think with the the accession now pretty much imminent of of King Charles, I think the balance will change further. Mm. Uh, so this is uh, a debate that I think uh, the United Kingdom needs to have. It's a debate which. Uh, country, other countries which, with the Queen of state are already having. Mm-hmm. I mean, Australia has now just appointed a Minister for the Republic, for example, and the Canadians are thinking about it, so, mm-hmm. you know, I think the world is... Ca- things are catching up with the 21st century, right, and people are realising that this fairy tale arrangement, to, you know, of mm-hmm. kings and queens is really something to be, to be kept in the history books, I think. However, it is not related, in my view, to the question of independence, because I, I will happily work, you know, hand, arm, arm in arm with monarchists who believe that Scotland should be an independent country with the the, the Queen or King as, as head of state. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem for me. The discussion about head of state is something an independent country would have mm-hmm. at, a, at a later date. It's yeah. not a precursor mm-hmm. for, for for actually taking the political power for independence. Now, as I understand SNP policy, SNP policy is that, uh, that 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 voting Scotland becoming independent. Would not change the monarchy it would not change the queen king being being head of state and that's absolutely true it's not a firm declaration that that should never happen of course and, that, yeah. and, 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 and it leaves enough i suppose that well put it this way i i've been making my republican views quite well mm. known. i do do what I can to <laughs> advance it sometimes sometimes in a in a very hostile environment <laughs> and uh, and I've, I've never had a call from head office saying you can't say that or whatever. So actually, I think I think it's entirely acceptable and legitimate within the SNP for there, for us to exhibit uh, that there is a you know a range of opinions. And although although I accept party policy in, yeah. is one way, it, you know it's it's legitimate to have a, a, a democratic, and democratic and, and the membership. About.
0: I think it's also important to say the membership of the SNP decide party policy. That's the. <laughs> yes, although I'm
1: not put you know, I you know yeah. we've got a conference coming up and people suggest to me maybe we should put have a discussion on Monarchy. No, you <laughs> know yeah. because yeah. it's a distraction. Yeah. Exactly I'm on the exactly. prize people, yeah. right? Yeah. I said we can have this discussion in 10, 20 years' time. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Monarchy's been about for eight centuries, so it's not <laughs> exactly right. so. We've, we've got, got time. In
0: various different guises as well, yeah. I, I, I wanna turn on about uh, turn on to um your past in terms of your career. Um Our listeners may or may not be aware that uh, you founded the Stand Stand Comedy Club in a uh, past life before uh, Parliament. I remember in 2014 the arts and creative uh, sector were largely pro-independence and produced a lot of good material. Do do you see the the same happening this time round? Do you think there's more momentum even around that? And how important is it to have grassroots non-party activists involved as
1: well as politicians? Uh, very, but I mean just just the recap on on me. So I in in uh, in the, I founded the stand in the mid nineties mm-hmm. uh, as a hobby, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I remember I remember going into uh, the Scottish Labour Party HQ, and, you know, using the photocopier after hours to run off the flyers. Uh, so uh, <laughs> so you got some I, benefit I, from your I, membership. I have, oh, <laughs> well, I've got more benefit than than that, too. <laughs> <laughs> when they made me redundant in uh, in in ninety seven. Yeah. Uh, there was, they, they gave me a very generous package to go, so yeah. they really wanted me out of the way. So, and I took that money and used it as a down payment on a, on, on a, on a building in Edinburgh, which became the Stan Comedy Club as, as we know it. So I probably should have Tony Blair Memorial Club across the, uh, the, the, the door, really. And so, you know, and, and, and I, and then, when you know, when the Labour Party left me, mm, of course, as they did for uh, so many uh, people, uh, <laughs> I, I, I sort of was. I didn't drift out of politics, but I mean, I didn't. I wasn't doing politics full time. Mm. I interested, but increasingly, the Labour Party had nothing to say to me. Increasingly, I became. I mean, I was always a sort of Devo Max person. Even then, it was a fairly easy journey to take to become yeah. a full blown supporter of independence. And uh, by the way, we didn't. I didn't say this earlier, but just. In, in absolute summary, the, the reason is this, it's not because I've changed my views about how the world should be or the type of society I'm like to live in. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, in, in intelligence means mm-hmm. that eventually you stop banging your head against yeah. the wall. And I have come to a realization that we are better able to achieve that change. If we have an independent country of five and a half million people, Mm -hmm. where there's a general consensus in the population for that sort of that sort of policy, then we are as a sort of adjunct to a much, much bigger country with almost an inbuilt conservative with a small, Mm -hmm. if not a big C, majority that keeps frustrating that ambition. So that's you know, and once we do it, Mm -hmm. I believe that will then be a catalyst for change in England too. Yes, because I think Mm -hmm. people will say, well. Things things are better there. Why are we not doing it? I've long said this. The so, impact in the north yeah. of England, in particular. But anyway, to, your question was about the the argument. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I was in, so that was one of the roles I played actually yeah. in twenty fourteen. I was involved, in, you know, with others in a in a sort of artist for independence type type, type framework. Not that I've ever been yeah. an artist. I was the I was a I I, club owner, right? But yeah. um, and I say and and I think at the time, yes, it's fair to say. Uh, with with a few notable exceptions, fair to say the majority of sort of comedians, musicians, uh, mm-hmm. actors, whatever, they were writers. They they were they were either actively pro India or they or they were you know on, on balance pro India. There was hardly any of them came out for the Unionist cause, of, and most of the yeah. celebs that came up were people that were imported from from south of the border yeah. for that, with the the, the love bombing or, or whatever. So, you know, yes, that that was the case today. I mean. It, it's, yes, it is the case, if you if you ask them their opinion, but what worries me slightly is that we've... I mean, it's almost as if the campaign for independence has become institutionalised. Back in 2014, there were only six people mm. in this parliament arguing for Scottish independence. Mm. So it was then you know, 10% mm. of Scotland's representation at Westminster. Mm. Now it's 85%, mm-hmm. right? So w- we're all arguing for that in Westminster, but at the same time, maybe because we've... We're doing it professionally or whatever. There's not. It there doesn't seem to be the same ferment mm-hmm. uh, in the grassroots. Not mm-hmm. the same excitement mm-hmm. and creativity. Now I believe we it can happen. Yeah. I believe we can spark that because mm-hmm. I think everybody's just waiting mm-hmm. to get going. Mm-hmm. And when we do, I think we will still we will still get the same fantastic mm-hmm. explosion of of imagination, where people beginning to ask questions. Well, if Scotland becomes independent what does it mean for this, this, and this, yeah. in their own lives, their own industry, their own profession. Yes. People will actually ask, and that's what made the campaign in thirteen, fourteen 14, mm-hmm. so, so wonderful, so creative, so vibrant. And I, and I mean, we have to recreate that. And I'm sure that yeah. we can. And I suppose the our role is now is, I mean, the SNP, to my view, in my view, is like, it, it is, it's the political leadership. Mm. of of, of the, the campaign for national autonomy, but it is not the sum total of it. And yeah. we need to be very sure yeah. to reach out, mm. to, to listen, to not be too prescriptive, to say mm. independence is about choices. It's independence about your right to choose what your future mm. is. And that's the message that inspires people. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right about
0: getting people motivated. The good thing I've seen over the past wee while, and we've done a number of podcasts, uh, with some activists as groups like uh, Aberdeen independence movement who've laid on their own events and got people moving with it and we talked earlier about the uh, yes uh, group in Dundee and the video that uh, that we discussed that uh, about that and, and, and there are a lot of people from the 2014 campaign who were opponents of Ind- independence back in the day P- possibly the world's most uh, famous uh, comedian Billy Connolly is one of them who it was against independence. Now pro independence. We've seen in the field of uh you know film and theatre and music, you know the likes of the band Texas, and now changed their minds on independence or pro independence. Well, oh, Sean changed their yeah, the yes, opinion? we've seen that. Yes, okay, we, right. we've seen that. We've now seen you know people like you, McGregor. I could name lots yeah. more. You know people who were either sceptical or you know, were actually against independence about going. Uh, forward, how how important is it these names, these people, um, you know, as well
1: as the grassroots? How, how important is it? Yeah, I people think that reflects it? a sort of. I, I mean, I know the the Tories keep saying it's not That's a generation, true. but there's yeah. sort of there's a mini generational yeah. change, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think I think if you ask people now mm-hmm. in their in their twenties, it's almost like a dumb deal. It's, it's sort of like mm-hmm. it's become uh, the fact that Scotland will become independent mm-hmm. is is now believed by. A, a majority of young people, uh, in in a, in a way that it's sort of just an obvious. Well, why are you asking me this? It's yeah. become it's become like a, an obvious thing, uh, and and I think that 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 is why just so many people. It's the de- it's now become the default. Right, believing in that Scotland should be an independent country. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. So, uh, and and that's slightly different. So. All the, and I suppose that reflects the fact that all the polls are 50-50, as opposed to mm-hmm. 75-25, which is what they were <laughs> right, yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it's you know, the support for independence has doubled yeah. in 10 years. Yeah. And our task is, well, we can't double it again, so I'm not expecting 100%, <laughs> but our task is to take it to 60 or 70%. Yeah. Because, you know, when we do this, to, to, to actually make a new country work, yeah. Yeah. people need to buy into it. Mm-hmm. So I suppose... The task for the campaign and for campaign managers is to get people from a position of just of saying saying I that that's a good idea, yeah. to actually being prepared to go out and work for it.
0: Yeah. Finally, uh, Tommy, we're we're um, we're coming towards the end of our time on the podcast. There's a question that we ask uh, all of our guests on Scotland's Choice. If you could make uh, a new policy or a change an existing one that we currently can't do uh, due to the the fact that we're in the Westminster system. What would it be, and
1: and why? Um, well, I. I, I mean, if it's difficult to choose which to do. I mean, <laughs> there's as, lots clear, clearly, there's the whole thing about. Um, I, I, I mean, I think, I think we need to stress right that that particularly in the context of 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 a, of a right wing, British future, which seems to be you know, want to be relive past stories of empire and is very isolationist mm-hmm. and very uh, supremacist, really, in terms of its, its global mm-hmm. attitude. I think in that context, we need to stress very much that we want our political independence mm-hmm. in order to join in with the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a, 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 a fence to keep us mm-hmm. away from people. It's a bridge that allows us to become part of the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as he famously said, stop the world, Scotland wants to get on. Yeah, right. yeah. Now that means that when we talk I mean so so when we talk about rejoining the European Union, for example, look, I I, I know that may not be automatic. I know there will have to be stages mm-hmm. to it, but there can be no doubt that Scotland's future mm-hmm. is as part of a European mainstream and we need to be in some sort of confederal arrangement mm-hmm. yeah. with other European states if we are to have any sense mm-hmm. of tackling any any chance of tackling the big the, the big questions in this world, particularly yeah. in a context where the where, where political agency in London appears to be heading in the opposite direction mm. when it comes to climate or immigration or global inequality. So 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 independence for me mm. is about joining in. So I suppose the biggest thing I would welcome is our ability to develop mm. an international policy, mm. to become part of the European mainstream, to play mm. a full role in the United Nations, to be able to take Offer our good services as as countries like Norway have done yep. to help resolve some of the problems in the world which are beyond our shores, and to demonstrate, you know, that as we've done for centuries, that the people who live in this country have a global perspective, a global view, and would be good global citizens. So that's the biggest thing. Uh, I mean, apart from that, I'd probably ban for of the later.
0: <laughs> Tommy Shepherd, uh, thank you for joining us on Scotland's Choice. But, Thanks for listening to Scotland's Choice. You can find new and previous episodes of Scotland's Choice at scotlandschoice.scot and you can watch the full-length videos on YouTube. If you can share this podcast and our videos, it can help others with their decision on Scotland's future. I'm Drew Hendry and I hope you'll join me next time on Scotland's Choice.